Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Eternals. Now, it's not the Eternals, which I had thought for the last, like, probably year. It's just Eternals. <laughs> Starring Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Leo McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Selma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie. You can probably go to the bathroom, and I, I wouldn't be finished with this next one, Matt. Uh, mm-hmm. Story by Ryan Furpo, Kaz Furpo, screenplay by Chloe Zhao, Patrick Burley, Ryan Verpo and Kaz Verpo and directed by Chloe Zhao. A lot of cooks in the kitchen on this one. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. It's time to continue with our 2021 recap cast. We'll probably we probably won't have to do this uh, uh, next year. We'll probably get into a good rhythm of releases, not all stacked on top of each other. But here we had Dune, and now uh, uh, the next Marvel Studios offering. This is number three on the year for them. This is Eternals. This is their next big, I guess, team-oriented film and. As we kind of prefaced last week when we capped off the Dune episode, you and I don't aren't really familiar with these Eternals, and we're not really sure who reads the Eternals. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, I know we're going to get into the teeth of this in a little bit, but off the top of your head, and I don't need you to do it, just generally speaking. Okay. If I was to, with a picture or like a list with pictures, mm-hmm. could you rattle off all of the Eternals' powers? Oh, gosh. Like, I was going to suggest that. Like, let's try and talk about these people and talk about what they do. But we're going to have to refer to, like, I can't do it off the cuff. No way. No way. I can't even tell you some of their names. Oof. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Today we're having some backbeat bourbon whiskey. This is from Seattle, Washington. We opened this up a a couple weeks back. We're going to gear up to a a new bottle here in the next couple weeks. But right now we're trying to do some bottle kill on some ones that Mm -hmm. have been open for a while now. So cheers to you, Matt. Cheers to you, Jesse. Mm. It's a good way to get started. So let's dive right in with our flight question. Bet everyone was just whistling that tune to their car when they mm. left the movie. So <laughs> memorable. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm actually excited for this flight question. Um, yeah. uh, Avengers Campus opened up in Disneyland uh, uh, earlier this year, and it, yeah. they got some cool stuff there. They got the Hank Pym Test Kitchen, which is ex- exorbitantly big foods and tiny portions. They got like a beer lab over there. Mm. Um, I they believe they have one ride. It's a Spider-Man kind of uh, simulator kind of coaster thing. And, of course, they have Guardians, uh, the Guardians uh, drop ride, which we love a lot. Yeah. Uh, so my flight question, you, this is just fun speculation. <laughs> Take any film from the 27, whatever we're at now, uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and pitch me a ride for that land based on one of those movies. I've always really liked Star Tours, mm. and I like that 3D effect. Mm. I think there's a potential to do something similar with that, with Iron Man. Sweet. 
Uh, and I want all of the different variations that Star Tours has now, where it's Naboo or Hoth or whatever that is. I and think, what is it, like 23 different combinations? Yeah. I get Naboo every time. I pour you. <laughs> I like the one where you get to chase Boba Fett. There you go. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. So I think if you do that, then you can have a bit of a selection as you are either riding with or in the Iron Man armor mm. on where you're going and who you're chasing down. Sweet. So... um if you've never been on Star Tours, essentially it's you sit in a small theater mm-hmm. and then it has some movement techniques that kind of fly or move with the images you're seeing on the screen before you. So that and even even if it's not Iron Man, if you're just taking a test drive in the suit of armor and Jarvis is the one to help you through it, that works too. So that's what I would like. Great choice. Is it like a motion simulator? Yeah. We spend a lot of time together because my choice, oh. but no, but I'm actually going to redeem one of our errs from MCU's past. I'm actually going to pick specifically Iron Man 3, hmm. specifically that end sequence where all the suits show up on the dock. And I want to ride where it's almost like a big circular thing and each person gets to go inside their own like suit. Sweet. And much like the Harry Potter ride at Universal and the Avatar ride at Disney World, mm-hmm. that's almost like a, a motion oh, yeah. simulator with like a screen. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of want that effect where you're in your own Iron Man suit reliving that kind of sequence from the third movie. Can you believe that? I picked Iron Man 3. I can't. But think of the variety of different suits you could have and each suit would maybe have a different uh, scenario. Love it. So the Silver Centurion army armor would be different than like your Hulkbuster. That's sweet. Yeah. I'm there. Opening day. I'm going to turn a trash movie into a really sweet ride. Sounds good. Uh, I kind of thought maybe too is something around Doctor Strange would probably be really cool. I thought that too. And I tried to think of something and they don't really have these anymore, at least in land. Uh, like the Captain EO, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, where it's like a show and then it's like an immersive experience. And I was kind of thinking, well, Ant-Man would probably be something pretty cool with that. Or Yeah. Um, I think there's just, that land is, it's so cool that it's finally arrived. Um, what they could do just possibility-wise with rides is kind of endless. Uh, they could really do a lot of fun stuff with it. The Avengers campus offers a lot of opportunities. Uh, I've yet to see it. Uh, I don't know how much space they had to build it. I think there may be some limitations there, but I agree. There's lots of characters, and now that we've introduced the Eternals too, the (laughs) possibilities are infinite. I know there's this show that they, I saw videos of this. There's a show that they do because like the big Avengers campus is like built like a helicarrier, Mm -hmm. uh, and they do like a stunt show on it. So, like, you have, like, Black Widow and Black Panther, and they're climbing up the walls, and it's, like, a show. So, you, like, watch from, like, the ground. You don't have to, like, it's not, like, an attraction. They just do it every, like, two hours or something. Interesting. Yeah, and so you could be there drinking your pim beer and watch, like, the Avengers stunt show. Sooner or later, we'll yeah, see that. Yeah, sooner or later, we'll check it out for sure. But uh, we'll, see what the, we'll see what they add. But Matt and I want some sort of Iron Man variation, right? Because I think we probably want to, like, be him and be in the suit. It sounds really awesome. Mm-hmm. Matt, I can't wait to dive into this. I know we have a lot of questions and a lot of deciphering and figuring out of stuff we need to do. So let's dive right into our review breakdown of Eternals. Five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with a snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy 
for the emergence to begin. How long do we have? Seven days. The emergence. Is that it's different from what the hell is in Thor the Dark World? The convergence? Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure at one point we're going to get the divergence. <laughs> yep. Okay, everyone. The Eternals begins with one of my biggest pet peeves in all of movies. And it's, you know you're in trouble right from the get-go when the first thing you see is opening scrawl. Mm-hmm. If the film is too dense or doesn't have the time, it's too busy to let you know about the world you're about to get into. So we have three different paragraphs that tell us about the Celestials, the deviants and then the eternals and i'm like oh good god like we can't have a unique opening scene that can set all that up for us so we had to tell it to us in text matt what's the number one rule show don't tell right show don't tell what's even worse what if you show it and it gets third billing of the three things that are introduced yeah you can't do anything with the celestials because there is nothing more boring yeah than these stone robot celestials that show up in the Marvel Universe. We'll get to the Deviants, I'm sure, quite a bit, but if in their own self-titled film, they get third paragraph. Yeah. You should be questioning the importance. <laughs> the opening, the only opening scroll I give... Uh, Star Wars. Well, Star Wars, but then like within the movie is Blade Runner, because they got to tell you about replicants and what Blade Runners freaking are. Sure. Because they just get right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh here, th- this film is interesting because it set it sets up s- so much time to establish these many characters. Was there nine of them? Mm. Uh, all kind of dressed like Earth, Wind, and Fire, or something like that. Oh, perfectly said. Uh, yes, <laughs> been a, they've been around for thousands of years, engaging in conflict with the deviants uh, throughout history: Babylon, uh, Tenochtitlan. Uh, I think there's a few others that, that we get to see. And their main thing that they're told is you can only get in, engaged in these conflicts when the deviants are involved. Which what, what, do you, what are the deviants? Vine monsters? Yeah. Um, essentially, that's a good description. Some sort of space vine plant monster thing, mm-hmm. which that doesn't sound scary either. No. <sighs> well, well, there's a, go ahead. Finish your thought. If the Eternals are only allowed to... Sp- passively exist in the human experience on earth in little more than watcher or guardian of the sea that will come to the convergence Mm -hmm. emergence. What the hell ends is it? This one's the emergence, the emergence. Yeah. (sighs) You're playing with another really kind of stupid character in the Marvel universe. And that's Uatu, the watcher. Yeah, he's the one running Marvel What If What If, right? And that's (laughs) the most active he's ever been in Marvel's universe and ever. Yeah. I guess watching mankind grow up has an opportunity, and there is a space that I think you and I both like with that. I would present the day the Earth stood still to a certain degree. But the problem is there's nine of them, and they have such technology advancements that they want to bestow upon the human race, 10 of them, mm-hmm. oh my God, that they are a bit frustrated in the slow development of these lesser than them plebes, these humans. Plebes. <laughs> so you get 
kind of a, a hockneyed rapid travel through the history of mankind with a few highlighted events that I don't really know if they highlight the Eternals in I their think, powers in those. Ladies and gentlemen, the first and biggest problem with this film right from the get-go is its runtime. Yeah. Two hours, 38 minutes, two hours, 36 minutes, and you feel every, every minute, minute of it. it. Oh, man. It's because you stick through all the credits to watch these scenes that are going to wait till we get to that. Mm-hmm. What are we even leading up to coming up in this universe? Right. Uh, it's a long movie, and I kind of thought all this kind of, it was nice to see them throughout time, throughout history, but, man, they, they I could have done without all of that and then just turn this into a seven samurai, mm-hmm. get the team back together, learn their powers, learn who they are, learn why they drifted apart, and then get into the conflict. Because then later in the film, it's about maybe halfway getting into Act 3, and I had an epiphany. I was like, who's the villain of this movie? <laughs> right. Right. We'll get there. And then that's problematic too. But let's do this because you set it up. Let's try and do this. Okay. Is that the Eternals? Yeah, let's do it. I I got a list right here. Okay. Okay. So Ajak. Healing. Uh, This is Selma Hayek's character. Healing, right? I don't know. I think (laughs) we had a discussion about this. That's the only reason I know her specifically. Okay. She is... Okay, so before we do this, um, I got my glasses out because I wanted to read these. Let's do this first. Okay. Okay, there's a garden variety of powers that every Eternal has. Okay, and it's superhuman healing, superhuman strength, superhuman durability, um, superhuman speed, superhuman agility, mm-hmm. superhuman stamina. I'm literally reading this off the MCU wiki. Yeah, there you go. Superhuman reflexes, um, immortality, and cosmic energy manipulation. So all 10 of these Eternals Mm -hmm. have been given this fruit punch, garden variety selection of... It's a marble that goes into their chest. It's a what? (laughs) A marble. What? Marble. Oh my God, really? (laughs) Yes, it is. He's right. I'm I'm teasing because that's such a silly concept. But they've given them kind of a baseline of superness that they get to work with. Now then, here's where it gets wacky. Baseline of superness. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I like their early like, music in the 90s. They I, sold out about I like, 97. I like that. Um, they each have been also, they have each also been bestowed with another thing. And Ajax is healing, mm-hmm. which is so terribly suited then to make her the leader of the team. But that's it's, it's great that you picked up on that because... That's I, oh that it's it's a short list of what I picked up on. That yeah, might be about it. Uh, she's in the movie for very little. Mm-hmm. She's killed off right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever healing thing she did kind of really went over my head. So okay, mm-hmm. we got Ajax. Some high We like her. It's, we it's nice to see her. I don't know if she fits very well in this film. No, doesn't seem like her cup of tea. Agreed. Uh, okay, next Cersei. This is uh, Jim, Gemma Chan. As far as I can picture her, and she's the lead of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, can turn objects into dust, butterflies, air, water, the elements, it seems like. As long as they are inorganic. Okay, yeah, you're right. How stupid. Which then poses a huge question, and I want to give this to you now. If she can take, if she can, um, I shouldn't say inorganic, I should say um, not sentient. That's a better way of saying it, because okay. trees are organic, so mm-hmm. it, it can't have conscience which is another favorite topic of mine. I'm mm-hmm. so glad we're playing in that space again. Right? <laughs> Your all-time favorite, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can withdraw the water from a tree mm-hmm. and then use that to create a tidal wave, 
the mastery of that would easily mm-hmm. make you one of the five to six most powerful characters in Marvel. I would also, this yeah, is going to fall sure. on deaf ears. Yeah. Not for you, but people are going to roll their eyes when I say this. I would also argue, and she's not, I mean, mm-hmm. she's, she's going to come to a position of power later in the film. Her powers underutilized and undervalued rival those of storms. Mm-hmm. Storm is the forgotten X-Men that no one wants to use, but she's bad. If lightning wind, like you can bestow some serious mm-hmm. damage, right? Yeah. You're using the elements. Mother nature destroys things all the time. Mm-hmm. And if she can harness that, look out. Yeah. Cersei in a space is similar. Okay. So that is her unsentient manipulation. I got those two. Let's do, let me give you one. Okay. Icarus. This one's pretty easy. Yeah, he was next too. Okay. Superman. <laughs> pretty much, right? Cyclops. Dude, so boring because he can fly. He's super strong. He's got laser eyes. He's good looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's the thing yeah. about him for me. Yeah. I think he's, and I'm with you, he's presented as the Superman and actually called that by one of the kids in the film. Literally think, right? called he, Superman. Yeah. yeah. Did they have to pay DC for the use of that <laughs> word? Maybe, right? <laughs> If he's presented as Superman, can you think of a more spectacularly or wildly unimpressive character than him? And what I mean by this, if he's that powerful, Mm -hmm. those deviants, which are just space vine monsters, give him everything he wanted. And he should mow through those like... Yeah, he should be able to laser them in half like nothing. So as powerful as he is, and this is my general statement about all of them, Mm -hmm. they are spectacularly unimpressive in the powers that they use. They can't fight off shit. Maybe that's a benefit for us because we don't like when it gets, they're so powerful that it becomes boring, but then they're so unimpressive that it's also boring too. Okay. To that, that's a, well, and we both talked about some of suffering through some of the boredom of this Mm -hmm. film. Okay. So we're three down. We've got seven more. Oh boy. Kingo. This is a Camille Manjani. As far as I know, he can, uh, it's projectiles. From his fingers, like finger guns or something. Literally the worst superhero in the MCU. <laughs> no, that's Jesse. So with the garden variety of stuff that we gave, yeah. he can turn his fingers into finger guns and shoot little tiny... Um, like projectiles. It's almost like, kind of like Iron Man's arc reactor or pulse or arc reactor. But way less powerful. Yeah. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Okay. His character is kind of interesting. I can't wait to get to him. And I have a crazy question about something behind the scenes. We'll get to it. I will say this. Yeah. They got him pretty yoked for this film. I'm gonna, We're going to talk about that. Man. We're going to talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sprite. This is the little girl. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She's kind of like Loki. She can create per- mm-hmm. astral projections of uh, what you're not seeing. In this opening kind of scene where this deviant shows up, she creates multiple of her and Cersei so that the thing doesn't know which one to attack. Um. She does it later and creates like 10 volcanoes on that island. And so she doesn't know which one to go to. Yeah. Um, Again, that's kind of a lousy power. Pretty lame. Uh, Pretty lame. (laughs) Mysterio. Phaistos. This is Brian Tyree Henry. You remember him? He he kind of wrecked uh, Godzilla Godzilla. versus Kong. He was the conspiracy theory podcaster. Mm Mm-hmm. He's kind of it serves kind of an interesting role. Like when we kind of break down the team, we always kind of want this static. Technician, yeah. the statistician that's the inventor, the cue that's going to make stuff for us. So he kind of does that, but then we find out creates Hiroshima. What is even going on in that scene? <laughs> yeah. Um, responsible for a lot of the technology that mankind is 
capable of using at the time. Um, I'd like to say the Hiroshima thing is set up, but it's so absurd. It barely is. If you remember early on, Mm -hmm. I think he's ready to give the humans some amazing gardening tool, farming tool. Mm -hmm. And they talk him back and he ends up walking that back from whatever contraption that was that I'm not even sure we know today to a plow. Yeah. So he's kind of held in check by the rest of the Eternals and they are very cautious about how much he's allowed to give mankind. And I guess the Hiroshima thing backs that up. Like if he gets too far ahead of what mankind is capable of, it's ultimate destruction. But the interesting thing about him, there is a river of contempt that flows through him because mankind is not ready for what he wants to give them. And I think he's wildly frustrated by the slow growth, which then also doesn't make sense with him having a relationship with a human. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we find out they're robots. Right. Oh, man. (laughs) Do you think of all the characters and most of them are pretty underdeveloped and underexplored? He's maybe the biggest miss. Uh, Probably. There's a lot of misses, honestly. Okay. Top three. Yes. I'm actually at when we rattle off the end of this, I want to hear who your favorite is of this group. All right. Uh, Next is Makari. Uh, She's kind of the flash. Oh, the speed. Yeah. She's speed. Um, she's deaf. I kind of thought this was an interesting touch too. I, I didn't do research to see if the actress was deaf too. Mm. They made the character deaf. So you know, they're, they're trying different things here in this film. There's even like, like the first sex scene in this movie, yeah. like in the desert, <laughs> yeah. super uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, next we have Druig. He is, uh, now he's probably maybe one of the most powerful ones. For sure. He can essentially mind or have people like command to his will. Stop fighting. Do this, do that. Kiss and make up. The limits of that power are unbelievable of what he can do with it. And we he actually gives the most pushback of, I'm tired of listening to the suits and we could do some real good here, but you keep uh, putting us in check. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so there's him. He's the one that got me going down this Eternals hole because when we finished watching this film last weekend, mm-hmm. I got home and I, I was trying to go through what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Walk through it, yeah. And it got to him, and I couldn't remember, and I don't know if it was boredom or it just, I missed it. I don't know what. Couldn't remember what his power was, and then mm-hmm. my wife was like, no, no, he had mind control, and that's what took me down the garden variety of powers that, powers that I read to you from the MCU. You're right. If you have the ability to mind control mass amounts of a population, Probably after Cersei and Icarus, if we're going to make the argument for Icarus, and I don't know if I can make that there, Mm because he might be the most powerful of all of them. Mm -hmm. And talk about someone who's, I mean, barely Mm -hmm. in the film. Yeah. He's gone for like an hour of this movie. Good portion of it. Yeah. Okay. Essentially, the uh, the Eternals are bordering down to just like C-list X-Men. You're right. Just like they have all the same singular powers, just they're like way less interesting. Mm. Next is Gilgamesh. I remember reading oh, yeah, this, the, the tale of Gilgamesh back in college, uh, one of like the first like hero tales. He's really strong, and he makes saliva beer. <laughs> yeah. And then last, uh, Angelina Jolie, we have Thena, as in Athena, or of I kind of felt like they're pulling her from Greek mythology, like the warrior Athena. Yeah. Uh, she can create a light, a projection spear and shield. Mm. and is kind of 
has like a mental head case the entire movie. She's like unsure of like what playing field she's on until like the very end or something. Yeah, hers is a bit weird. Uh, she creates, like you said, that spear and that shield, and that's her power. Mm-hmm. And she's a great fighter, but they kind of all are, according to what I read. Um, yeah. So who's your favorite? I'll go. I'll, I'll say Druig, just because I think the potential of what that power is is interesting. And I think his scene when they're there at the top of Tenochtitlan at the end of what at top one of these pyramids, and he says, you know, screw this. I'm going to go stop all this conflict with my just one word, just stop. Mm -hmm. And like, and then he just, and then he splits off. So that was interesting. I was like, I was engaged there. And then when he does come back, I mean, they don't really utilize him very, very, very much, but that's what we're dealing with here. People I've always liked the flash, Mm -hmm. but whatever her name was, she's so barely in this film it's difficult to say she's my favorite makari well she's the last one they go and recruit because she's been on the ship mm-hmm. for the last 200 years 300 years i don't i don't know how long but yeah that's that's like an hour and 45 minutes into the movie man i probably would go with Drug also and i think in addition to the mental um manipulation power that he has i think his character stands out in a different way than the rest of mm-hmm. them. He seems pretty pissed off at the situation, and I could easily see that going south and him becoming a villain. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to agree with you on Drew. Sure, yeah. Okay. Do you have a least favorite? Um, it's either it's either Icarus or Gilgamesh. They were just so boring. I've seen it before. Yeah. And even like they did a good job with like, even as as Kilgo Kurgo, uh, the mm, sh- mm-hmm. that's stupid. That is. But stupid. they made him like this. Like I'm a Bollywood, Bollywood actor. actor, and he has this family lineage, and it's him just yeah. redoing it. Yeah. Cool. Icarus has none of that. Nothing. He has no backstory, no nothing. He's just there. Super. It's the Superman thing. It's just. It's so boring. Vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. I'll give him one up on Gilgamesh because at least he got into like culinary and he was making treats and stuff. That's something. Oh, I thought Icarus, and and you thought he was like the lead, the hero. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, he's also the villain of the movie too. But we'll get to that scene later. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna agree with Gilgamesh being the worth, the most worthless. Okay. Um, Athena's a little weak too, and that's kind of a shame because you know you get you know Angelina Jolie in there into the MCU and you do nothing with her. So, all right, we've talked about all of them a lot, and we have yet to really jump into the protagonist in this film. I mean, we've talked about her a little bit. Look, guys, everyone, guys, everyone, whatever the hell that means. Look, everyone, listen. <laughs> the lead of this film, our chief protagonist, is Cersei. <laughs> Here's a big problem. They make her so passive and reluctant and so undefined for the duration of these two and a half hours Mm -hmm. that everyone else, when they're on the screen, seems to come in and steal her spotlight. She has zero presence, zero persona, and you could make the case if Marvel could figure out a way to make it accessible to the viewing audience what her powers really are or can do. She might be one of the three or four big, 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 big ones in the MCU. Scarlet Witch and Jean Grey, all of them, yeah. Right. Instead, 
she is such a, I wouldn't even say passenger seat. She's not even a backseat driver. She's quietly listening to her earbuds in the backseat on the long drive from California to Cape Cod in the middle of the summer. Like yeah. She's just such a traveler. Yeah. That's a big problem. Yeah, big problem. Her thing is, uh, you know, she's, you know, masking. She's a teacher here in London with Dane Whitman. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Jon Snow? Yeah, Jon Snow. Him and him and Richard Madden have a nice Game of Thrones reunion here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're in a relationship, but he kind of knows a little bit. The sprite, the little girl, has told him a little bit about who they are, so he's suspicious. Are you a wizard? Or are you like Doctor Strange? Or thing, things like that. And then the deviants show up, just kind of unbeknownst, and kind of what Selma Hayek says later is, the snap, the blip, that damn thing keeps coming up and all this stuff has been the catalyst that allowed the deviants to show up again to bring about the emergence so the celestials could show up on Earth and devour it. And, right? Is that the plot? Yep. <clears throat> it is. And I kind of just pulled back and I was like, oh, dear God. Uh, if we were hard on Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi at the end of the movie when he, they were riding dragons and everything. Uh, fighting in there. But at least Shang-Chi's plot with his dad was just for, it was like for unlimited power with the Ten Rings. What he wanted to do with that, we didn't know. It wasn't to take over the world. Here we have another take over the world scenario. Mm-hmm. The world, people. Yeah. The entire planet. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I think we, I, I called you, or you called me. I hadn't seen the movie yet. We were already kind of just talking about what we were going to talk about and everything, and I said, man, I just want, I just want to see like Daredevil in like a alley brawl. It's like that's what I need. Fighting Bullseye and King Kingpin's henchmen, right? Yeah, I want like, that too. I don't want like this like devouring planets nonsense. It's too crazy, too too big, too outlandish. And then the team that's going to do it is just like okay, we're all it's just so one note and vanilla. Um, but that's the plot here. So when the deviants show up, we get to kind of see their powers in play. Icarus shows up. And what could be an interesting part of the movie, which is this quasi-love triangle between Icarus, Cersei, and Dane, they just do away with because Dane's not in the rest of the movie, people. Right. That could be something that I would get invested in. Mm -hmm. Who's she going to pick? This one that she's had a relationship with for 5,000 years or this guy that she's known for two, but she likes the real-world connection that that offers. Mm -hmm. Not in this movie, people. No, and it's set up, too, and then they just throw it away. It really is, and that's where we get to that scene where we get to see their love trials throughout the centuries where they bang it out in the middle of the Egyptian desert. <laughs> um, again, a first for Marvel. I got to give them credit for for that. I mean, they typically just cut to the next scene, but they like they show some thrust in, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they set that up that they care about each other, which then therefore undermines the end of the movie when we make Icarus the villain. He's not going to kill her. No. He's not going to kill any of these people. He cares too much about them, but he won't. He still just listens to authority unabashedly. What? <laughs> oh, where to go with all that? Um, I think the Cersei and Dane relationship, even as underplayed and as little screen time as it took up, had an interest to it for me. I think the Icarus and Cersei relationship much like most of Icarus and anything he does in the film, even with 
the joke that you said about the thrusting, even though that's not a joke, like teasing out that Marvel choosing to do their first sex scene. Mm -hmm. Cersei may be the traveler in the backseat on her pod, earbuds, whatever. I think Icarus is the guy at the rest stop that has the cooler <laughs> with a bunch of Capri Suns and applesauces for his children. Just boring. Yeah. And these two characters, because a lot of the other Eternals, Thena might be a bit of an exception, don't dominate the screen time. It's their movie. No chemistry between them. They don't really do a whole lot other than an occasional like quippy one-liner or a longing look at each other to sort of remind him they are in love. At this point, the person I think is most interesting, which would make me just groan in any other scenario, I think it's the little girl Sprite. I think like just like she's this little girl trapped in an adult body. We like that. We like that. And her powers are at least interesting. And <clears throat> she's kind of like the tag along. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So there's some strife that can be done with that character. Way more interesting than anyone else that's being presented to us here. Again, so for me, under impressive with their ability to fight, I think the Eternals are fairly weak. And some of them are not really all that powerful to begin with. But there are a couple powerhouses on that team. Mm -hmm. They can't defeat these deviants. And sometimes the lasers sever the deviant in half. And sometimes they knock a wing off. And sometimes the wing grows back. And sometimes a laser just bounces off of them and doesn't do anything. There is no consistency in that. So what I'm going to deduce from those is the laser elements that many of the Eternals use mm. is a worse version of the pulse reactor that Iron Man has. It's not as powerful. Yeah, These are eternal. They've been here forever. They are crafted in a way where we are supposed to believe these are mighty, mighty beings. You can't even take down a Vine space monster or a couple? <sighs> well, maybe this answers this qu next question, and then we'll get to the, the, the next scene of the, this film. But Jon Snow asks, uh, if you were here all this time and had all these abilities, why didn't you help out with, with Thanos and mm -hmm. all of these things? And he says, do you buy this, that they were told not to interfere, like when they probably could have helped out in a lot of those scenarios in the last 25 films? I don't buy that. Or just step in and be like, I got this. I can help out. I can do something about this. Well, and the other question on that too, Jesse, is how powerful are the Infinity Stones? Pretty powerful. I know, right. Yeah. So are they powerful enough to erase any life on the planet oh, yeah, good question. that exists? Or is it just sentient life that is germane to that planet because it would seem to be because i'm gonna back this up it would seem to be that if half of the planet and the snap disappeared like half the planet disappeared on thanos's snap yeah then the power that the seed that's planted in the earth for the emergence that is harvesting the energy from the humans would be delayed as half the population just disappeared. So this emergence that these Eternals are waiting for and overseeing and make sure nothing goes wrong with, mm -hmm. their plans just got thrown in the bucket. Yeah. Because half of the energy source that the seed needs to bring about mm -hmm. the world-eating Galactus, I mean, whoever, Timote or whoever, Timo, it essentially Timonet, is Galactus. It is. Yeah. It's not going to happen now. No, yeah. So why wouldn't you... Stop that. 
Well, I just think it's a bit of it's a lazy line to say. Well, they could have showed up, but they're not showing up until now because we didn't make the movie until now. But this is the lazily way we're going to write that they couldn't help out in the past. Yeah. And Endgame didn't need any more added on top of it with had these people show up too. No, right. Dear God. Right. Time heists and stuff. But the next scene, so we need, we're, the Deviants are showing up again. They haven't shown up since uh, Conquistador times. We need to go find out from our leader why Ajax. They go to South Dakota. She has a little kind of ranch there, and then they find her dead. She's been destroyed by a deviant, a deviant and they're all really sad and broken up about it. And then Cersei has like a astral projection with head a celestial. What's what's this? What's the? I got it here. Hang on. Uh, his name is Ashrim. Yeah, pretty cool looking. What 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 was nice about that was you know we're gonna get to Galactus at some point when we're completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> at least we know it could probably look cool because it'll look something like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I think visually they could figure that out. Yeah. How humans are gonna how Daredevil and Spider Man are gonna fight Galactus is beyond me. <laughs> Can I say something about the celestials? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> I know that there's mythology in Marvel, and so we always have the Mount Olympus sort of bringing of life to any situation, whether it's fiction or real life. I Honestly, Jesse, I don't know if I give a damn about the Celestials at all. Mm-hmm. These large robot space beings that are just omnipotent and bestow their will as they see fit with not much else behind it. I That to me is a big, big problem. I can't get behind the offspring of the Celestials because I don't give a damn about the Celestials. And it's hard. To, they do look like he looks good. You're right. Ashram looks good. Mm-hmm. But there's no movement. Oh. It's so big. It's hard to have any scope or, or gravity because the character is so large. You can't really understand how powerful they might be. Where did they come from? We're getting into this whole origin of life, uh, Prometheus shit, and <laughs> I, I'm 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 just out hard I on know. the Celestials. Let me read this. Let All me right, read this. Uh, this is this is uh, just kind of a little synopsis here. So, uh, Ashram explains that for millions of years, the Celestials have been planting their seeds on populated planets for new Celestials to be born with the deviants sent by them to destroy the apex predators of the planet. So that would be like Earth's heroes, the Avengers and whatnot. Uh, However, when the deviants evolved and began hunting the planet's native populations, humans, not the apex predators, the Celestials created the Eternals, our heroes, the titular heroes, to cull them with the reversal of the blip. Earth has reached the necessary population for the birth of the Celestial Tiamat, which will result in Earth's destruction. So this is the one that's going to show up in the volcano. Aye, good. That's a lot. That's just, and it's too much. Mm -hmm. But we we got a lot. We got a lot of characters here. We got to do something. (laughs) So what are we doing? We're getting the team back together. Right. First up is uh, Kilgo, Camille Nanjani. Let's talk about him because he was my favorite. There's a a lot of forced comedy in this film, and a lot of it was just like, oh, dear God. Mm -hmm. His stuff was really genuinely funny. He actually brings along his, like, valet agent with him to, like, film this documentary. And this that goofy character that is in all of these movies. It was Katie and Mm -hmm. Shang-Chi, and it's... uh, Cat Dennings, Cat Dennings, yeah. It's all about Happy Hogan. Yeah. He's that for for this movie, but... 
He's making a movie about the Eternals, and he's playing Icarus. And it's funny because Bollywood, naturally, they riff on a lot of Hollywood films. Like, mm-hmm. there's Bollywood Die Hard and Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, they take from us and remake it over there. So that's kind of what he's doing with his own story. I thought that was hilarious. But, yeah, let's talk about Kumiel. I love – he's one of my favorite, like, just kind of comedian actors right now. Um yeah, got yoked for this thing. His arms look amazing. Yeah. But prior to this, about a year ago, whenever they started filming this, there was like a shirtless picture of him that came out on one of the talk shows and jacked, looked just cut, like Stallone cut. Mm. And I was like, wow, he got into really good shape for this film. I was like, is he going to have like some shirtless scene? He's going to fight one of these things with his shirt off? No, he didn't. So then, okay, this is a question for Feige. Why are you making these actors get so ridiculously in shape if you're not even going to, like, show it, <laughs> show it off? It's all behind a costume? So yeah. what's the point? Why don't you just pull a Michael Keaton when he played Batman? He didn't work out. He's behind a suit. Mm-hmm. It's the That's the performance is that. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We know what it takes for that. There's the science, the supplements, there's the workout, there's the diet. The rest, all that, yeah. Why force someone into that? You're not even going to, like, show it off. Like, oh. It does seem like a bit of a miss, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe he should have been Icarus. He could have been Icarus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, no, I'm with you. That's just a little kind of just nagging thing at me was. is Did you take a dive into his filmography? Is there something else around this that might have warranted that? Maybe he just likes the gym. I mean, well, that seems no, like a lot of like in the gym to be no, that big, but he didn't because I, oh, really? I, I watched, it was a men's, what's that magazine? Men's, uh, men's fitness. No. Yeah. No. Men's fitness. Yeah. Article about him and his regimen. He was like, yeah, this is what I have to eat every day. It sucks. <laughs> what a trip. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I have to work out like six, six hours a day and I got to eat a very high protein diet. And so this is kind of what I have to make these smoothies out of. And I was like, that doesn't sound fun at all. No, not at all. Right. <laughs> And then it, maybe there was a scene and it got cut and I, I'll feel bad for him. But I like what they do with his character. They try to make the, the eight because that's the thing. They don't age. The little girl doesn't age. They don't age. So how are you not standing out in a crowd if you're 500 years old, 5,000 years old? Right. So they get him. We got Now we got to go get Gilgamesh and Thena. Like I said, he's gotten into cooking. Thena's still kind of really on the fritz. Uh, she had kind of like a freak out moment in one of the earlier earlier century battles and has been very untrustworthy of like, she's like almost like turning against the team. Um, but now we're finally kind of getting the band back together and Cersei's going to say, well, this is what we need to do. Like we gotta, we gotta get it all together. And then they start talking about something called, uh, I have it here, the Unimind, which is essentially like power Rangers, Megazords assemble so we can create a unifying force that can destroy these celestials. Snoozeville, man. Yeah, no Snoozeville. kidding. They have to now create the Unimind, but they need the device that will harness it too. So I guess we're back to the construction of the device that will create the Unimind, and exactly like you said, good night. Who cares? We go get Druig back, and he's doing some type of missionary, interesting work in the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he, he could just create day labor forces like work for me. Build me a house. Get me a chicken sandwich. <laughs> Things like that. So then, like, there's kind of one of these deviants, actually, I guess, has personality. He just looks like one of the things from the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Crow. Did you know Bill Skarsgård played this guy? Mm-mm. I didn't. Wow. Pennywise is Bill Skarsgård. Mm. We don't care. We just, it's just in, it's just in the movie. Mm. <laughs> 
They have a fisticuffs battle here in the rainforest. It was kind of dark. It was kind of hard to see everything. I don't know if that was my theater or, or whatnot, but it was just like it's, it, it happened so fast. Uh, but we finally get to see the powers come out a little bit. We get to see Cersei turn this thing into like a tree. So she turns the deviant into like solid wood, right? Yep. Icarus is flying around like Superman, and he's they're able to dispose of that. And we, we kind of get to see them all work together as a team. And that was kind of interesting. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, gosh, what is this all for? The, to stop the end of the world? Uh, to, you know, to create a, a unifying force? I'm still pretty bored. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what, what were you thinking halfway through this? Were you, A, we're already not on the page of the Eternals because we know very little about them. We don't read them. We don't know anyone that reads them. We made a film of them, so shouldn't the film's job be to get us on the same side as them and get us to like these people? Like, we, I don't think we care about anybody in, in this thing. Watching them struggle to take down four or five deviants was also really maddening to me. Mm-hmm. You're either powerful or you're not. So I'm with you. I was also bored, and I was, at this point, we're maybe like an hour 30, hour 35, maybe hour 40 in. Honestly, man, I was looking for the door. Uh, I, I literally didn't care. Um, yeah, I was wishing this one got released on Disney Plus. And well, <laughs> where are you going to go with these deviants? You know, this is a throwaway character that are not going to show up well, in any meaningful way going forward. And aren't they kind of just non? They're like Ultron's like Sentry robots, right? They're or, just fodder. Or um, the first Avengers film. Um, oh, the uh, Chitauri. The, the Chitauri, yeah, just fodder. But here's the thing. You know, stormtroopers can't ever hit anything, and the Chitari were mostly crazy-looking guys that were just so many you could destroy them. Mm-hmm. These deviants are given as much as they're getting, and I might argue they're more capable. God, so these nondescript bad guys that are the physical element that the Eternals get to show their wares against are giving as much as they're getting, and I would argue kind of giving a little bit more than they're getting. And I find myself even more disinterested in the Eternals because if you can't even take down Vine Space Monster that I know is just disposable villain for this film, I literally don't care anymore. How are you going to kill this uh, Celestial that's bigger than galaxies? Right. It's gigantic. Right. One thing I did appreciate, and I thought the end scene of this would undo it, which would have infuriated me, was Crow, head deviant, Kills Gilgamesh in this scene. Mm-hmm. He like sucks his life force. And you know what would be cool about that is when he pulls his little marble gem out of him and absorbs it is that he then embodies those portions of the power. I don't think we ever see Crow. He shows up on the beach when they're all fighting and like Angelina Jolie kills him, but we don't like see the extent of like the strength. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if he became uber strong. Right. No, we don't see it. What a cool concept that they do nothing with. But I was glad that Gilgamesh didn't come back. How cheesy would it have been if, like, they defeat this thing and then all their, they all show up again? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At least there was some stakes. Okay. So at least they can die. So they, they killed there. some. They killed some of these people. Yeah. Um. So we go and get uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I already forgot his name. Fastos. Fastos. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And he's set up his own new life for himself, and he's quiet, like you said. He like probably feels the most remorseful of what he's done to humanity. Yeah. So. Once they get him, they're able to go get their ship, which has just been ha- hiding out in the Iraqi desert for mm-hmm. centuries. Oh, yeah. Underneath the desert with uh, Makari hanging out in there. But now we got the team back together, so now we can go fight. But now here's where we get our, our revelation with Icarus, which mm. is 
we get this, and I was curious about this. I was like, uh, Selma Hayek's dead, but I remember this scene in the trailer where she's riding on a horse and she's talking with Richard Madden about their plan, what they have to do, and this is what we need. And I was like, where's that scene? And if that got cut, come on, man. Right. Uh, what is this, Paranormal Activity 3? <laughs> Speaking of which, did you know there's a new Paranormal Activity movie on Paramount Plus? Did you watch it? No, I hear it's terrible. <laughs> That's been a, that franchise is in real trouble. Been in trouble for a while. Yeah. Uh, I want to check it out, but yeah, so I was glad. So we come back to that particular scene. That's what I played the the sound clip of. And he, this is where he kind of sets her up to like, in like a trap and mm-hmm. says, I'm undyingly loyal to Asherim and I'm going to seed his cause until the very end. And if you get in the way of that, I'm feeding you to the deviants. And it's kind of like a lake thing where the deviants are like, almost like dogs or just like wolves. They're just kind of walking around the ice and if she falls there, she doesn't have the power of flight, so she just has to do her best to stay alive. These things kill her. Right, Brad, because all she can do is heal, so she's taking them on with a shotgun. <laughs> all she can do is heal. And how does she heal? Is it mental or is she touch? Touch. Do you, okay. Touch. I don't, even, I don't remember that. Somebody gets uh, an abdominal wound, and she heals it in the film. Um, yeah. I don't know how I could forget that really important part. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so but, he does away with her because she's going to prevent his bidding of Ashram's plan. This is all coming at a very interesting, like I said, when I was watching, I was like, hmm, I know we're assembling a team. I know there's some sort of emergence happening. I don't know what that's all about. Seems like there should be a villain in this movie that's right. not fodder. Yep. Deviants are army, nondescript, one-dimensional fodder. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be commanding them. Someone has to be st- uh, pulling the puppet strings. Mm-hmm. And it's Icarus. He's the one that assembles the team only to then dispose of the team. And I don't know what his whole plan was. So, like, why wouldn't he just go and just kill them all one at a time? Why would he bring them together to then leave to only go fight them when they're all together on the island? That's stupid. If he brings them together, the potential for the Unimind also comes into play. Yeah, that's a a terrible plan. Why didn't he do it how he did Selma Hayek? Trap, trap, trap. Yep. No, let's get the game back together, and then I'll have a hissy fit. We'll leave, but then we'll fight later. Or we'll play later. Mm. Jeez. Yeah, it's, that's really bad, Jesse. Uh, and I'm already not interested in him because I am getting those Superman vibes from him. We know how I feel about that character and how just uninteresting he is because he is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So you have this powerful character who's also now the villain. He's an internal villain. Uh, and th- th- that that twist comes out of nowhere, too. It's not like they lead up to it or anything. Um, but the little girl goes with him, Sprite. And then I thought this was interesting, too. Kilgo, Kumiel, is like, I'm out, guys. See ya. Like, I, I'm, I can't do this. And usually when that happens in these movies, he comes back to save the day right. at the end of Act 3. He didn't show up at the end of that He's, battle. Right. He didn't show up until uh, the, the tail end when he gets pulled into space. Crazy. It's like so. It's circumventing my expectations of how I normally see these movies. But I don't know if it's for any benefit of the film. I wonder if it makes it better if somewhere around Ajax's murder by Icarus, we see Icarus having a discussion with Ashram over completion of Emergence plan. Cersei's going to be the one that has the conversations with Ashram. Not Icarus. And then she finds out around this time that they're all robots. Right. Made cut, made from the same cloth. There's like an assembly line. What? Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of misses with this Icarus character. And 
I guess they decided that an overseeing alien presence that brought the deviants to any number of planets that has happened over and over and over again that these Eternals have been fighting off has a larger goal in mind. But instead, we decide not to go down that road because the deviants aren't the heralds of the Celestials. Mm -hmm. The Eternals are. So then doesn't there need to be an opposition force to the Celestials that's trying to undo what the Celestials and the Eternals represent? I don't want to know what that is, though. I don't either. But you have to balance your books a little bit because instead all we get is the good little soldier Icarus doing the work of Ashram, even though we've never seen a conversation in a way that makes no sense because he'll kill the team leader clandestinely, it's turning but into, then kill everybody else yeah. in mass as the band is performing at Madison Square Garden. It's turned into a Russian doll. Like it's yes. like one big thing inside another thing. And so what's bigger than the celestials that's telling them what to do. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So we break the band up here. He tells them not to come and just let the inevitable happen. And this is why Kumail probably needed to come in because in order to create the Unimine, wouldn't it therefore be more powerful if they included everyone? Right. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, but I like the setting. I love volcanoes. It's just always been a fascination of mine. I took a class in college. It was called Volcanoes with an exclamation mark. Mm. It's They're always fat. So what a great setting for a finale. Uh, but then it totally just goes to hell uh, with them all fighting. And then we kind of know, I know the whole time, they're not going to kill each other. They're, they're still friends. They're part of the same team. So where's the conflict here? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, let's get through all of this nonsense so we can make up. That way we can create this thing so we can stop this thing from rising out of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, Angelina Jolie kills the the deviant here, which I was shocked that Gilgamesh didn't just like reemerge from the sand at that moment. <laughs> Uh, they just try and do their best to dispose of Icarus. And then when he confronts Cersei there, and this is when we should see Cersei like fully embrace her power, like pulling this mountain. Yes. As ridiculous as that sounds, we need to see that. Yes. And then they have their confrontation and we know that they still love each other and it's weird and strange and he's not going to kill her. I may as well just help you. I I, I see the light now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. It's so, it's so predictable mm-hmm. uh, the whole way through. Oh, yeah. This is a film we've seen many times with just way less interesting characters. Yep. If this were the X-Men, this would probably be a little bit more interesting, but we'd probably have the same problems here. Mm-hmm. No definable villain, undefinable characters, one-note characters. It looks beautiful. It's well-acted, but everything else is just so blah. Blah. Overlong and blah. How do you have a volcano... And a battle around the surrounding areas with space monsters and an emerging celestial in the middle of the planet ready to devour it. And lava and all of the others just superhero tropes that you can use Mm -hmm. and show up boring on the screen. I don't know. That's that's, that's an effort. (laughs) Is it because there's no buy-in for the first two hours to get to that point? We just don't care. Because at this point, not only was I bored, I was starting to get exhausted. Yeah, and I don't think I was the only one. Uh, I kind of like, I do the look arounds like when I'm watching movies. Yeah. There was some people sitting a few seats down for me that were like, they were like, I label them as the Marvel fan couple mm-hmm. that will just love these movies no matter what. Yep. Laughing at every joke and getting shocked and surprised when there's betrayals. And I'm like, people, 
you either only seen these movies or you haven't seen any movies, but you've seen this before. And it's okay to like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and not like everything in it. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. You know what I'm talking I about. Do, yeah. Just like, I am going to accept this no matter what kind of uh, stream of quality it is. Yeah. I, and I hate that. I, I hate that type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were some people that got up and left in the middle of the movie. I really? didn't know if there was like an emergency, you know what I mean? Like, and they had to leave. But it, it almost felt like they left because it was so boring. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and... Yeah, well, then I got up and I never get up and pee, but I had to get up and go to the bathroom at the end of this thing because we're getting close to three hours here. And so I missed a little sequence here, but I don't think I missed a lot. Uh, they all kind of uniform, create this emergence, and then we get to see Cersei use like a freeze power. So she freezes this whole volcanic island and then freezes this celestial coming out. And that looked pretty cool. Like, looked like Galactus, right? Did look like Galactus. Again, mm-hmm. if we're preparing for that inevitability of that character showing up, I feel a little bit more better of how it could look visually on screen. Um, how they'd go about doing that in a story, I have no idea. But here, it, it, this looks pretty cool, and we get to see Cersei embrace it a little bit, but kind of forced, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of out of nowhere. She's just like, I guess I'll use the extent of my powers now. And yeah. she got stabbed in the back by the little girl too. Right. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know. And there's a lot of action happening, and I I would never. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I almost wish there was a disposable army on the island here, mm. just so we could see them like attempt to survive. Right. When you're fighting your friends, it's like you're pulling punches. I know we really like that Civil War scene in uh, Captain America, yeah. the airport scene, mm-hmm. really well done. But like, it kind of has that same effect, where it's like these guys aren't really going to kill each other, right? So you kind of, there's kind of almost pulling back a little bit the extent of the damage. And I feel that here way more so than that particular scene. In that one, there's actual consequence of why they're fighting and they're on real odds there. Here, it's just like, yeah, I guess he, like we're, we're not okay with Icarus's plan, but we're still Eternals. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should listen to him, but maybe we shouldn't. But yeah, well, then we'll squash beefs and we'll join up together. And then he's just like, see ya, like, I betrayed Ashram and I'm just going to kill myself by flying into the sun? Is he done? Are we done with Icarus? Icarus flies, flies too close to the sun. I think oh so. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. Right? I oh, think. That, ugh, I know. <laughs> I think so. The guilt and the weight of his decisions are such that he just can't take it anymore. I don't. That When? When did you become not the herald of all things Ashram demanded, which included the extinction of the human race to, oh yeah, that was a bad choice and I can't live with myself anymore. Icarus, the man who flew too close. Oh, gross. I didn't, oh man, this film was, whoever wrote that line or that scene, you're fired. They were like, oh my God, I can't believe I came up with that one. Yeah, one more heart out. They did do a cool thing here, Cersei. I don't know how she's able to do this. Is able to bestow to Sprite. Now you can age like mm-hmm. all of us. You don't have to be childlike anymore. Gave her the power of mortality and aging. That's cool. How you did that, I don't know. The Unimind. Well, <laughs> I know. Uh, and then we kind of see them all go their separate ways and what they're going to do going forward. Uh, Druig, Angelina, and Makari are going to tra- traverse the galaxy looking for more. Eternals? Eternals. I guess there's more. The team's bigger. Why? A deep bench. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to go look for more so that they can join up in case they're ready for any more conflicts like this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Cersei goes back to to Earth. Kumiel is he just he he shows up again, uh, and then the little girl's able to kind of be a childlike, and so then Jon Snow shows up again. What a crazy adventure you guys had over the last seven days. Seven days is that like a biblical thing too? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Patting themselves on the back the whole time they're writing this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're sitting there in the park, and he professes his love to her, and like, I really care about you, and this and that. And then, boom, 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 the celestial shows up, and then everyone sees this, I think. Uh, they see this thing like in the precipice of the sky, and it pulls Cersei up into space, her, Kumiel, and then Phaistos, mm-hmm. saying, you betrayed the creed of the celestials, We'll have to see if you make your penance and then takes them. He takes them. Right. Kind of a cool ending. I like an ending like this where you thought everything was good. And then like we kind of pulled the rug out from under you and we're like kind of not a happy ending at the end of it. No, especially those three because they were the ones that I think were the driving force in a lot of what got this back on the side of good to protect mankind. So, yeah, the celestial is not happy. Two reasons. One, it didn't get to feed its brother or sister celestial. Mm-hmm. And number two... It's trapped inside the earth. A couple things, though, I think are important here. Okay. If it's trapped inside the earth, I don't think it's dead. It's just trapped. So I don't think they've taken that off the table. The one they fought? Right. Yeah. And the second thing is now you clearly have set up what's coming next, and that's we have to go rescue these three Eternals that Ashram has... Kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're with Gamora. That's a joke. But um, let me ask you: this. Do you care? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Which is what I was going to say because the show ends with the Celestials or, or the, the Celestials, the Eternals were returned. Yeah, in the Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, they pull a bond. <laughs> yeah, and I thought to myself, man, I could give two licks. Yeah, exactly. And that's the first time and that I they've give... done that where I've said I, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. We'll see. <sighs> I mean, I mean, the box office returns have been kind, at least. Critically, this thing's just been, like, ravaged. Yeah. Uh, and I think rightly so. I mean, it is... And it's boring. I mean, I'd rather a movie just go all in and be bad, like Halloween Kills, and then entertain the hell out of me. Yeah. But whereas this is like, we're going to be bad, but we're just going to, like, slog your way through it. Man, I... Uh, we'll get to the rating, and I'm going to say so, something ab- about it, but we got two end credit scenes we need to talk about. Oh, boy. Harry Styles... <laughs> No ill will to Harry Styles. He was really good in Dunkirk. Mm-hmm, he uh, was. But who he's playing. Okay, so uh, Druig, Makari, and Thena are traversing the galaxy, and then they're uh, uh, aborted by uh, this elf and this pomp and circumstance to announce. Go ahead and do it, Matt. Just like, who shows up here on, on, the, on the ship? Star Fox? Yeah. Who? Yeah. Star Fox has a place in Marvel that is pretty obscure and the best we can say is eventually he will become part of a team known as the infinity watch and they are watching after the infinity stones yeah but he shows up with his he's thanos's brother right thanos's half brother through some yeah yes yes thanos's brother Mm -hmm. he looks like the jv version of peter quill Mm -hmm. and essentially has a skill set that's less impressive so Pip the Troll comes in. Pip, that's what it is. Drunk and introduces Star Fox to the three Eternals on their ship. And he basically says, we've got some work to do if you want to rescue your friends. 
First of all, this is Infinity Watch watching the Infinity Stones. I want to be done with those stones. You and me both. We did it. We made 22 movies out of it. We don't need to move on. Don't need to bring them back. Mm -hmm. We don't need to bring Thanos back into this thing either. Uh, Tell some new stories. When I called you and I, this was the ending that I knew was uh, in it. I was like, man, I went to my, I have this Marvel encyclopedia that has every Marvel character in it. And like the thing about Star Fox is like this big. We're digging that far deep into the bottom of the barrel to pull a character out to to do what? Mm-hmm. Feige, are you that desperate? You just purchased the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and we're waiting for their emergence into this universe and you're going to Pip the Troll and Star Fox? If I wasn't out at the end of where the Eternals will return in From Russia With Love, <laughs> I'm super out now. Yeah. I don't care about any of this. Yeah, uh, it goes back to what I think we said last week, and that's some of Marvel now has not become about the film, but about what the post-credit scene is after the film so you know where it's going. That's a very uncomfortable position to be in as someone who tends to be, give me a story and tell it well, and then we'll tell another one when this is done. Tell a singular story, yeah. Because you and I waited... Two and a half hours, which clearly from the nature of this, neither one of us thoroughly enjoyed this film. For two post-credit scenes, we're just doing the first one now, Mm -hmm. and that's happening too much. Well, we didn't like the one at the end of Shang-Chi. I don't think we... No. We didn't like the one at the end of Black Widow. It's happening too much. Too much, yeah. Yeah. The next scene... Okay, back to Jon Snow, Dane Whitman. Ladies and gentlemen, Dane Whitman is a character in the Marvel Universe known as uh, the Black Knight. Again... Who gives a flip about the Black Knight? But here he is. Yeah. And he has this blade. What's it called? The Ebony Blade? Yeah, the Ebony Blade. Mm-hmm. And it's like this all powerful, almost like Excalibur. They make a joke about Excalibur earlier in the movie, too. Yeah. But here he is. He opens it up. It's an all powerful blade. And the Black Knight, he's a, he's a guy in a suit of armor, rides a horse. Come on, Marvel. But yeah. then he's talked to by a voice off screen. And you got to kind of do a little research on who it is. But if your ears are tuned well, you know who this is. This is Mahershala Ali as Blade, the vampire hunter. What? Yeah, what? How they relate together, that's beyond me. Blade hunts the undead and vampires and Nosferatu. Uh, Black Knight is just some guy like roaming around castles fighting the Avengers sometimes. I don't know. I don't know how that relates. But my question to you now, now that we're establishing Blade, and we knew he was cast, and we knew this film's happening, how is Marvel going to be able to do Blade justice in, like, a PG-13 environment? Oh, man. We can say what we will about those Wesley Snipes films. Uh, First two are pretty good. They're not bad, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Blade's really, really violent, Mm -hmm. and that is hard horror with lots of blood. I, I I don't have a good answer for you. The other question, though, is... There are still some characters in the Marvel Universe that they haven't explored. Yeah. Man, we're going to Pip the Troll, Star Fox, the Black Knight, and Blade. And I would argue Blade's the most relevant of those four. Yeah. If you and I were upset that the Eternals were pretty obscure and forgettable, I see no evidence going forward that that's changing for Marvel in the immediate future. Look at who we just mentioned. Well, what's more frustrating about that is what we know what could be showing up. Yeah. The X Men, right? Magneto, Professor X, Wolverine, uh, the Fantastic Reed Four, Richards, uh, Victor Von Doom. I mean, there's Silver Surfer. Give me Silver Surfer, damn it! Yeah, <laughs> something. No, we get this garbage. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Like, no, yeah, it's bad. You stay for these credits, and then and then you and I are well tuned. 
we kind of can figure out who these people are by what they're saying, who's talking. Mm-hmm. How in the flip is any uh, people in the audience that don't read comics, they don't know who these people are. They don't know the significance of why they're waiting around. No. It's just all pomp and circumstance on Marvel's part. You're right. They, It's all become about the end credit teasing the next thing and not focusing on the story at hand. It's happened the last three times. We've said it a lot. Okay, the last three times. They seem to be in a trouble. They seem to be in a bit of trouble, maybe rudderless as to where they are going. We begged, hoped that it would be earth-born, street-level bad guy and maybe not 23 to next big bad guy. And they seem to be going the other direction. It's getting bigger. Which is intergalactic and large, large cosmos. Let me ask you this. In your Marvel Strike Force game, you told me that uh, they announced they brought some Eternals in there and then uh, Dormammu. Were you upset that Dormammu didn't show up? I would have preferred that in the post-credit scenes to either one of those. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Okay. Icarus and Cersei and Dormammu. Yeah, there you go. Mm. That's who they just I got a, I got Icarus, Sorcy, and I got uh, Makari, too. Interesting. Yeah. That's and cool. I think there's another update, and I'm going to get some more. I play Marvel Future Fight. Yeah. Consumes a lot of my time. Indeed. Too much. Um, oh, this is going to be a hell of an interesting. What was your favorite tasting note of the Eternals? Oh, God. Um, I think maybe... Oh, God, Jesse... I'll go first while you kind of yeah. think about it. I, I really like that scene with Druig at the top of the Incan pyramid uh, where he kind of, you know, pushes back against authority and says, I'm not going to sit here and listen and just watch these people massacre themselves. I'm mm-hmm. going to go do something about it because I can do something about it. It was the one moment of like pathos in this film that I could like latch on to that wasn't like hammered into me it was it was i thought it was a really well put together sequence i guess i'd go with the fight in the woods um only because that's the action bit that sticks out and i have to tell you i didn't even love that but i i there wasn't a lot to love in this film for me so that's what i would go that's fair yeah what's your oh my god there could be a lot to choose from here uh, the domestic adventure and Fastos's house where we see how he's decided to just sort of settle down. And I don't even care who he settled down with. That's not the issue. That was so out of left field that we went into the neighborhood to find one of the Eternals when all of the other ones are scattered everywhere. I, I just thought, oh, man, can we get back to, like, the creation of a cosmic superhero team that doesn't have to be this this slow for me. I just like mm-hmm. getting the band back together, you know, had to happen. And I felt that that scene and a lot of those scenes, to be honest with you. Well, you know what it was? It was a lot of going from one setting to the next, sitting at tables, yeah, talking, talking, chat, 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 chat. Okay, now you're on the team. Let's go. Chat, 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 chat some more. Fight, chat, 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 chat. It was so talky in so many places. Yeah. Mine's uh, the Icarus reveal killing of Ajax. It comes out of nowhere. I I didn't like it. It revealed the villain who's nothing of a villain. He was nothing of a hero. Uh, And I'm just like, oh, how much is left? An hour? Kill me. Uh, Who's the master distiller on Eternals? 
Uh, I'm going to give it to Kumail Nanjiani because yeah. I okay. liked his character. He made me laugh. He got yoked for this film, and I feel bad that he didn't get to fully show off his yokeness. That's fair. Yeah, good choice. Okay. I might give it to Angelina Jolie. I think she does a pretty good job as this sort of troubled, mind-wiped hero. I don't think there was a lot to work with that character, some problems, but I thought she was pretty good in the role. You feel like they wasted her? Totally you wasted her. You get Angelina Jolie into the MCU, and you have her play this character? Mm-hmm. Thena, yeah. Think of who she could have played. In this hella, oh my god, hella, she could have played. Uh, she could play Jinger. Jean, Jean, not, mm-hmm, not really, mm-hmm. but no, she could. She, yeah, she could. I, it just feels like you got this actor to play this, and that seems like a huge miss for me. Agreed. How are you going to rate and grade Eternals? We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Real quick, Black Backbeat Bourbon. I think I told you this. This is like a twenty dollar bottle of bourbon. I think pretty good for the price point. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice taste. It's got kind of that afterburn, but. Uh, usually you would think of something like that would probably be like $45, $50. Yeah, that one was kind of a steal. Sweet. Yeah. Great deal. How you rating this film? Rock gut. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I, it is, it's up there with Iron Man 3. It's up there with, yeah, um, I, yeah, I hated it. Uh, if it hadn't been for the show, and it was oh, barely for nice. the show. You haven't said that in a while. Yeah, I would have left. I was ready to go 45 minutes in. It was stupid. The characters I couldn't stand. I was trying hard to just find anything I could glean to that I liked. Sure, yeah. I hated this film. I hated it. It was preposterously stupid with characters I could give two tears in a bucket about. Two tears in a bucket. Uh, two twins in a wonder power bucket. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, man, I'm rock gut right there with you. Yeah. Uh, if I never saw this again, it would be, be too, too soon. soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, I'm going to say this. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is broken right now. Mm-hmm. It's in bad, bad shape. Yeah, fair. We weren't high on Shang-Chi. Black Widow was kind of crazy. The Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki. We kind of like WandaVision, but like, are we going back and watching all eight episodes of WandaVision again? Probably not. No. Endgame was crazy, mm-hmm. but satisfying to an extent. And then we had Spider-Man Far From Home, and we had our issues with globe-trekking Peter Parker. Yeah. Man, it's it's Infinity War was the last film we watched back in 2018. This universe is broken, and I don't know how to fix it. Maybe it's the X-Men. Maybe it's the Fantastic Four. But um, it's so off the train at this point. Every film is the same. Every All the problems are the same. Nothing's getting fixed. It's just money. It's just set up and no payoff uh, and no story. The, and the story could not be more bland at this point. We don't give a, a lick about anything that they're trying to set up. Well said. That's exactly right. We That's don't care, the problem. We don't care about uh, variants in the the, the time uh, no. establishment. Nope. We don't care about deviants. We don't care about... Flag smashers. <laughs> oh, dear God. We don't care about flag smashers. <laughs> uh, we don't care about anything that they're trying to establish. Oh, what's uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus trying to set up? Hydroforce or whatever? Yeah, what it, big, oh, yeah, whatever the hell her name was. We don't care about that. Uh-uh. Uh, I, yeah, it's a mess, man. There's nowhere to go. Nowhere? But you got Hawkeye coming soon. Oh. <laughs> mm. Well, I'll say this, because, uh, you know, we like punishment and we want to cover these films and find any type of gleaming hope of a course correction. We've got a big film coming up next in this MCU. And, man, this might be the just jumping off point for me, too, if this doesn't stick its landing. we got Spider-Man Far From Home. No way home. No way home. No way home. I hope that movie is great. I, I just, I need something. I need something to latch onto of where we're going, but I also want to be told a good, engaging, interesting story. 
And that film's promising us the world, man. Yeah. Like yeah. that thing's telling us we're gonna get this, 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 and that. And I'm telling you, man, if some things don't happen in that that they are kind of really leaning up to, man, I'm 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 done. December twenty two, seventeenth. Yeah, so big, big holiday release mm-hmm. with multiple Spider-Man and the multiverse and a bunch of villains. Buckle up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so. Big, big moment, though, for Spider-Man and for Marvel. Maybe Spider-Man is what saves Marvel again. Who well, knows? Well, it's weird, too, because it's MCU, but it's this is still Sony's Sony. baby. So yeah. maybe it's just like, you know what? We don't need you guys. We'll just do our own thing. Yeah, big moment. I would argue they might be in better shape. I will tell you this, and I mean this. I would rather I'm looking more forward mm-hmm. to seeing... Morbius than I am or was the Eternals. Interesting. Well, you saw Venom. I didn't get to see Venom. How was Venom? Let there be carnage. Uh, it was okay. Uh, it's in the same vein. Would you rather watch that than this? Oh, a hundred times over. Okay, that's probably call plus well minus or call minus well plus film. Okay. Um, yeah, they're in better shape. Yeesh. We shall see. We shall. All right, let's wrap this up with our nightcap. Alrighty. Serve us up, Matt. Inspired by this film, I'm going to give you a selection and not to be discerning from either DC or Marvel of the team makeup that you would least like to see another film crafted from or about. Okay. This was easy for me. Oh, give me. Yeah. If the Marvel Cinematic Universe wasn't broken right now, it's broken and compound fractured. Like it's all fucked up right now. Mm Mm-hmm. This is when you're going to know, ladies and gentlemen, when it's completely beyond repair, when we get here. If we ever get a TV show or a film that's West Coast Avengers, yeah. it's over. Ladies and gentlemen, it is over. Mm-hmm. Take it to the bank. This It will never be the same. The West Coast Avengers is just the definition of giving up. Yeah. In comics and in, in film. Yeah. West Coast Avengers. Yeah. So that's uh, what it is. It's their, the West, because the Avengers are in New York proper. Uh, this is their West Coast branch, and it is like the most lamest of people. Like it's like Hawkeye and like Power Man, Pulsar, and just like stupid people that you don't care about. And if they decide to go that route for the money, oh, oh man, it's over. There's no coming back from West Coast Avengers. Quick mention of Alpha Flight, but that's not my choice. Okay, yeah, the one that I think is the stupidest. Okay. All the way back to 1975 is the champions. Okay. But here's who's on this team. So you, I could see this being a possibility. I mean, it'd be it'd be out there. Oh, boy. Iceman. Okay. Angel. Okay. Black Widow. Okay. Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucked up team that is. Yeah. I mean, you could have some fun with that dynamic. Yep. Um... I think it's like a 17 issue run that they had back in 1975 and you know what's the most monumental achievement in that Mm-mm. issue number 14 introduced a crazy popular villain thanos swarm oh <laughs> swarm. how funny is that yeah no if we get to the level we're starting to play with hercules and Ares and just these oh kind of in this movie kind of yeah. mishmashy throw everyone together that's around 
Uh, so yeah, this is the one that I want to see the last, the, the least, um, West coast Avengers is up there too. Um, hopefully none of those three. Do you have an honorable mention? Um, I don't know if I want to, I think a defenders film could be pretty good, but if they're going to do it, like they did that Netflix show, hard pass, I don't want any part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the de- defenders I know is Hulk strange and like iron fist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's. More cosmic. I think Ghost Rider's in that, too. I think Namor had a run with them for a while, too. Namor probably was in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd want to see that done well. Uh, Again, done well is the the word at the end of the the day. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's about it. Mm -hmm. I would have said, you know, before we did our little Titans kind of recap, the Teen Titans, yeah, I don't want to see any part of that. But they did it pretty good on the show. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with. You, any honorable mentions? Yeah, Alpha Flight, but um, it's not anywhere close to the champions. I did find another one, too, that I had never heard of. There was one called, uh, maybe it was the Sorcerer Society. Did you see that one, too? Interesting. So essentially, this was kind of a Marvel team-up trope where Doctor Strange assembled a team as he saw fit for whatever challenge they found or whatever challenge they found that month. So it kind of just was a featured spotlight. Mm. So it wasn't a, these five guys are always in there, but yeah, I don't know about that one either. I mean, so it might it literally might be Spider Man and Iron Man and Janet Van Dyne in one episode. Yeah. One of my favorite Spider Man villains in the comics, but I don't think it would look good on screen is the Enforcers. Yeah, I like them too. But like Fancy Dan and uh, like, you know. That's like bank robbers. I could see that or something. I could see it. It just, it's all in the execution. And then what was the other Spider Man one? Oh, no, the the Wrecking Crew. That's one we want to see. We want them. Yeah. We shall see what's on the precipice for them. But they had a big day yesterday, Disney. Plus day, mm. they announced so many things. Oh, I didn't even see this. Yeah, uh, they announced an Agatha Harkness show. Oh, Again, Jesus. I'm just like, it was cool as a reveal in the show, but do we need 10 episodes of her? No. Uh, the, uh, Moon Knight, we knew was happening. Yeah. I think there was some footage for that. There was some footage for uh, the She-Hulk show, the Camilla uh, Khan Marvel uh, but Secret Invasion uh, like got officially announced. So again, some scrolls in there. And I think we like the scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot in the pipeline, you know what I mean? And if it's all going to be like this, I don't want it, man. I don't want it. Yeah. Something that I think we both really enjoyed is starting to go south quickly. It's hubris, man. Yeah. It's like we've made more money than God. Let's just keep doing the same thing without evolving or thinking about quality. That's why that first Iron Man's so freaking good. Yep. There wasn't any thought other than a post credits. Maybe we'll do it. But well, we gotta make money first. Yep. Let's just make a good movie first, and they did. Got to get back to that. They have soon th- that mentality. You got to get filmmakers and actors in there that are gonna commit to like, let's just make a good movie first and forget the post. They should just stop doing them. I want to give you something that I think might be a bit hot takey, but okay. I'm gonna say it anyway. For what Spider Man promises or has claimed to introduce to the MCU, the new one coming on yeah. the tw- 17th mm-hmm. December. If that movie strikes out, it really might be. It won't be because Marvel will champion the cause money-wise. It really, really might be curtains. If you're going to introduce multiple Spider-Men from multiple dimensions. I think curtains on trust as a brand. I I think people will start showing up for just like, hey, we'll just go see any of your movies just because the label's on there. I think people will start bailing and just be like, I'm not just going to go see that because these last five movies have been shit. Exactly. I I hope not. I really want that Spider-Man movie to be really good. Me too. Uh, Well, that's a wrap. Uh, Put the the lid on the cask for Eternals. Not the Eternals is what it should be. 
just Eternals. Yeah, that's weird too. And then next week, oh, this is going to be hella interesting too. Oh my God. Next week, we're going to be discussing Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. You know how much I like Ghostbusters. That's one of our best episodes covering the original uh, mm-hmm. 1984 classic. What is this film even going to do? Uh, that's homage, r- remake. Yeah. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, if there's Ghost Harold Ramis in this thing, uh, rocket rating instantly. I, I don't care if it's great. They can't do that. That's mm. so disrespectful. And you know this is that type of film that would go there. Oh, yeah. What? He just shows up and he's like, hi, granddaughter. And it's some CGI Harold Ramis. Like, the guy's dead. He can't do that. Oh, boy. Did you hear that, Ghostbusters? You better not have gone down that road. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do, Don't you think about it. Wow. This is going to be wild. I don't know what to think of this film. The trailers aren't really doing a lot for me. I like the Ghostbusters brand, and I want that to be good. But ah, it looks like, like a Stranger Things thing, man. It does. It, it really and does. Finn Wolfhard. Well, Wolf oh, man. We'll talk about him, too. It's going to be a fun conversation next it, week. It will be. Uh, yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, coming to you next week. And then we'll queue up another cast there. And then we'll probably be gearing up to a big Spider-Man thing in December. So Sounds like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But cheers. 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 Hit us up on any of our social media platforms, Productions at gmail.com. Hit up TeePublic. There's a lot of merch. Get yourself a pillow or a sweater for the uh, cold winter season that's coming up or a coffee mug so you can heat up your tea. I, you. I go into like a tea mode around this time, like uh, Earl Grey, mm. um, Darjeeling. Like I like a good black tea around this time of year. Um, and the weather's changing, so get your mug so you can... Warm up them bones. Yeah, they got like tumblers too, so you can take it to take it to work with you as well. It's truly an amazing website. The amount of merchandise that's on there and how you can get it. It yeah. is even if you don't buy it, it's worth a look. It's amazing. You can just do it in have. so many different ways. Yeah. yeah. But we got to get going. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, dig through my comic collections. And I'm gonna see if I can hit as bottom of the barrel as Arrow's Black Knight and uh, <laughs> Alpha Flight or the Champions, for that matter. Can I talk you into something else before you do that? Sure. Yeah. I brought my Ouija board. Can we see if we can resurrect Gilgamesh real quick? Oh yeah, let's do that. All right. Oh man, that was one of those books in like English or like literature 150. Yeah. You'd have to read about the tale of Gilgamesh, and he was like the first like. Hero, and it could not have been more boring. <laughs> Praying to God you could get to Beowulf because it was so much better. Yeah, and then that's also not amazing either. Right. <laughs> we'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Eternals is property of Marvel Studios and Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. I bet you've built the perfect safe house. Well, what's this even made of? Vibranium? <laughs>